that's like the first red flag. If everything else in the neighborhood is going for like 3000 3500 and you find this offer for like $2,100, $2,000, it's probably too good to be true. And you should definitely look more into this uh, property before sending the wire transaction or agreeing or signing. Oh, I got to go. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day. Now my fan, they can't eat. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another Cup of News episode with your hosts here, Peter Matt at the Cup of Nurses Studio in San Diego. If you find value in this podcast, enjoy watching us or listening, please drop the five stars, like, or share with your loved ones, friends, family. This is how the podcast grows. This is how we get downloads, and this is what motivates us to keep on producing this high-quality content. For anything related to Cup of Nurses, check out cupofnurses.com. Show notes, we're buffing up the site. It's going to be easier to search for things such as articles, anything that we've been producing. And you could even use it for education. We got a ton, ton of research studies on there. Uh, we got some cool videos on YouTube that's coming out in social media, such as like our TikTok reviews. So tune in for those. Those are great. And we have a nursing debriefment. So we talk about what's happening in our current situation as travel nurses and et cetera. If you like the consciousness stuff, tune in for FrontlineWarriors.com. We have a bunch of blog posts when it comes to excelling in the five pillars that we have established for Frontline Warriors that helps bridge you to higher consciousness. And for the big project we have been working on, PRNTO Pronto, that is the app that we're creating that's going to innovate and change healthcare for the best. We got a great team. Peter and Matt here are the freaking CEO. So we're running it, getting it done. We're excited for this launch whenever it's coming out. And yeah, let the show begin. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing great. Thank you for a beautiful introduction, Matt. But it's episode 89. We are going to talk about how to not get scammed on property. We're going to offer some tips on what to look for and how to avoid property scammers. And we're also going to share a little bit about our journey about almost getting scammed on property in, in Miami, Florida. So real estate, property traveling getting property it could become of a hassle and if you're not experienced with the objective up to obtaining a home signing documents it could become disastrous if you don't take the right steps we've learned through trial and error just like pizza we almost got scammed and from there you learn how to become better and better at it yeah the whole miami thing thing was a trip and interesting because <clears throat> you own property in chicago so you have people rent out your property and you had that whole situation with uh with the lady that had like the lower credit score but, you know, that complicated a lot of things. Definitely. But but still, it's something that, that you want to take into consideration. It's a, so the thing is, it's it's kind of accurate for the most part, but it doesn't take context into consideration. So someone can have a low credit score for, for something that was kind of out of their control or something that's not necessarily true. Like in some cases, people get, get a divorce and then their credit score plummets because of the whole divorce. School loans, um, people have a lower credit because of that poor credit card history but they don't have a lot of credit cards even have a poor credit score because there's no credit history that, that they have so it's hard to give them a score so it's not the most accurate thing in the world but at least it gives us a, a good idea of how you are financially in like a big perspective not necessarily singleized and individualized but like on a grander scale of things it's a pretty good metric and if you're somebody that's on that side of the fence where maybe you have a low credit score you had a divorce you needed to take out loans for your kids 
and you might have a hard time getting property, talk to your property owner or the person you're relying to because the situation that Peter just described that happened to me. And get divorced? No, no, no. Credit score dropped. The credit court, the bad uh, credit score, but I still accepted my tenant. Mm. Usually I take nothing 600 or below, and that person, I still went along with them, even though they're in the 500s, because I felt their situation out and I understood. And that's a risk that I take. But if you're on the other side of the fence, it doesn't hurt to be heard, be understood, and it could be by situational basis, not necessarily like a bank loan where it's fixed. Hey, if this is this is not the requirement that's being met, you can't have this interest loan or ha can't have this loan. Hmm. So the first thing you should do always if you're looking at a new property to rent or you're a travel nurse looking for a short-term lease is to verify the property owner. What we did with the whole uh, Miami situation is we called the actual uh, association or actually the owners of that, of that condominium place and we asked them who's the owner and they provided, they didn't really want to provide us with the information, but then we asked them if like, does so-and-so so -so still live there? And they responded that, no, they haven't been there for a few months. So we're like, okay, how, would, how does this guy say that he owns his property, but but his name is not associated with the property. It's just, he was there at some point in, in his life, but not in there, in, in there now. So it's kind of sketchy. If they don't currently own it, then how are they the ones giving you the property? He said that he goes through like a, like a, a broker or something like that. What did he say he, he goes through? A property manager. He said he goes to a property manager, so his name isn't going to be on certain documents or something sketchy like that. And then Matt was like, how is there a property owner and a property only manages one property? It doesn't, doesn't make any sense. It so, doesn't. So how can you make a living off that? Yeah, so the question that, 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 that Matt was asking the guy, it just didn't seem like a, a financially beneficial thing to have, nor did it seem like the right thing to have in the first place. Yeah, and a lot of people might not know that. And then also, there's websites that you can look at to find out if the property that you're renting out matches the the, the person's first name and last name that is being said. And there's a website for each county that you go on, like a county office of property appraisers, and you put you could put in the address and you could find out who owns this property. Um, so that this was this was weird because. The people said they moved out, but the government website wasn't updated. So this scammer technically still had that window of proof to show, hey, I still live there. What's going on? Mm. So then we pushed things further. We couldn't do a video call. That was weird. And then we asked him for proof of ID. He said, oh, I can't do that. My lawyer tells me I can't do that. Yeah, or his wife or something like that so, was at first. Yes. And then, and then we pulled back. And then what happened is this guy hit us up again. Okay. You know, I think my wife said it's Okay. After talking to her, I'm going to send you the ID. So he sent us an ID. Uh, luckily, we have a friend that lives in Florida, and I'm sure you could go on Florida.gov license and find out how it looks. We compared the actual ID of identification of a Florida driver license, and it didn't match up. The spacing, the lining of the light, the Photoshop file was off. And Even that's the where, watermark was off. And that's when we're like, yep, caught this guy red-handed. And that was after I signed the contract, but we were waiting to pay him because we started finding out more clues and the intuition was just not going with it. Mm -hmm. It didn't add up. It just, it just smelled fishy, so we didn't end up going with it. Uh, the second thing to always do and watch out for uh, is always sign a lease with an, with an agreement. So you have to make sure that what you're signing is what you actually read because you can't just verbally unagree something and then expect it to be done if, if it comes uh, to, to that point. Uh, for example, if in a contract it says that you have to pay for utilities, and then the guy tells you, oh, you don't have to pay for the utilities. Make sure they, they change it in the contract because it's what you're actually signing. Because once you sign it, that's basically you agreeing that, hey, you have read everything. And just because you said something verbally, 
doesn't mean that it's going to abide by the contract. There is certain states that that follow verbal agreements, but a written agreement is always going to trump a verbal agreement because you have something in paper that both parties should have, should have read and agreed to and, and looked into and talked about before both parties signed. Yeah, so platforms like Airbnb, Verbo, you might not have an agreement because you're skipping the process of a third-party app and you're paying more because you're paying the comfort of having Airbnb take care of everything. If you're doing Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, uh, websites like Furnish Finder, we have, we have great success with, I've used it since 2019, you wanna get this ver, uh, written agreement that Peter's talking about. And a tip to that is make sure you read over the whole entire agreement and re- make sure everything's written out the way you want it. So what happens is there, during this process, you don't always have to sign this contract. You can send, send back a contract that's redlined. Mm-hmm. And this was my experience uh, with my tenant because I had my property set for Airbnb, so I had different rules. And then when I had my first uh, long-term client or tenant, she, she uh, redlined things that didn't make sense when it was like a Airbnb situation. Mm-hmm. And then also I told her that, um, I, I never gave the time frame of 24 hours to just enter the property. I kind of had like, I could enter the property whenever. Mm-hmm. So the tenant noticed that, and then I had you, to go back to the contract. We're trying to be sneaky or what? Uh, this is the standard uh, Illinois site that had it mm-hmm. that way. And then uh, you add the uh, 24 hours, or whatever the policy is. Let's just say you sign utilities, but the Wi-Fi says that you have to pay for it, but you verbally agree to something else. Make sure you highlight that and send it back to them. Um, so yeah, just go over the contract because it's like the syllabus in college and, and everything else that has the same, the power. It's a written agreement between both parties. If it's signed, that means you've read it, agreed to it, and that's how the following months, weeks, days are going to um, abide by. Uh, the third one, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. So for example, take into perspective, let's just say one person, you look at some property and one property is listed in the same neighborhood for $3,000 a month. So, okay, $3,000 a month times 12, that's about $36,000 um, a year that they're basically making off that property, right? So, and then you keep looking and you find cheaper property for like $2,000. That seems a little bit of a drastic um, mark off, you could say, $1,000. That's a third of what the person is making. So, if one place is going for $3,000 and one's going for $2,000, and you know you're trying to maybe figure out that this is a scam it most likely is because why would somebody rent a place out for two thousand dollars if he knows that the same place in the same neighborhood is going for three thousand he's he's basically undercutting it by thousand dollars which doesn't seem like a lot on a monthly basis but if you do one thousand dollars by twelve that's twelve thousand dollars that's that person's losing yeah so no one's gonna want to risk twelve thousand dollars just just for your convenience just because they're gonna have you rent over there most likely mostly a, a, a scam so watch out for that guys that's like the first red flag if everything else in the neighborhood is going for like three thousand thirty five hundred and you find this offer for like twenty one hundred two thousand dollars it's probably too good to be true and you should definitely look more into this uh, property before sending the wire transaction or agreeing or signing any kind of paperwork yeah, and this has been especially prominent on uh, Craigslist. When we're looking at things for Miami, I think we've ha- found a, a handful of uh, listings that had like that scammer, the scammer clues. It's, of, an, it's of enticing. property and things like that. It's, enti- it's like when you go shopping, you, you always go for the thing that says red tag, 10% off, 20% off, because you think you're getting a deal. Even though this product might be 10% more expensive here than it is in another store, they do a 10% markdown and you think you're getting a deal, but really you're paying 
for this thing in the same amount as, as anywhere else. We're just attracted to these discounts, and when we think we're getting a deal, we're, we think we're winning. So it's kind of in almost in our subconscious that this kind of scam kind of works on us because if we get a deal, we save money, we feel like we outsmarted somebody else, and it's just kind of it's just kind of how how it happens. And then soon to behold. You're the idiot because you send a wire transfer without verifying that this is an actual place just because the offer seems too good to pass up. Definitely. The fourth thing you want to look out for is you shouldn't feel pressured. So feel out how this person is approaching you with things. If he's continuously texting you, if you feel like he's just keep on, keeps on pressuring, hey, did you sign a contract? When are you going to sign a contract? I have another person uh, that's ready to sign. So you have X amount of hours. If you feel that pressure, Consider it a red flag. He shouldn't feel rushed. If he has multiple leads, why does he feel that way? Mm. And this is a sh shitty um, story because of I hustled people before. It was Craigslist. It's, shit happens. Um, but it's good for context of the lesson. So, for example, I got like uh, ripped off on Craigslist because I bought an iPhone back in the day. Mm. I thought it was T-Mobile. And I didn't realize back in the day that his SIM card had like a little piece of file or something on it. And when I inserted my SIM card, it kind of was jailbroken and it worked for Verizon. So as soon as I upgraded the phone, it didn't work for T-Mobile anymore. Damn. I got scammed. Let's just say I spent 300, 350 bucks on it. What I did is I lowered the price on an iPhone for like 270. I already knew I'm going to take a loss. And what happened is when I met the person up in Jewel Osco or something, as he's looking on the phone, I kind of pressured him. Hey, uh, what do you think about this phone? Before he already started turning it on and playing with it, I'm like, like, uh, what is it? What did I say? Like, okay, I got to go. I have another person that's about to look at it in 15 minutes in this destination. So you're almost acting on this person's emotions to get them to make the deal happen quicker. Because when you think emotionally, you don't think right. So you're, you're pressuring that person because you know you could kind of, it's like, you know that they could be the victim. It sounds really, really shitty. I'm not proud of the things I did sometimes, but it's great in context to realize on the flip side what these scammers do to get you to submit and take their money and before you find out it's a scam. Just the fact of scarcity, just somebody pressuring you and thinking that, hey, this is the only deal you're going to find. It's the only opportunity. You get emotionally invested and you're like, this is too good to pass up and you just do it off of instinct instead of your, your true judgment. And it and it works. It works a lot of times. That's why you get these like on the news, <clears throat> not to bring it to the news again, but you get these small snippets that are very emotional and you are able to almost like relate or appeal to, to these emotions. That's how people can kind of trick you. That's kind of how the way the news works too. Not that, I'm not saying that news is out to trick you and fool you, but I'm saying people know how to take care of, take advantage of people's emotions and they play these, these little sound bites, little clips that tie into your emotions just so you can relate better or you get pressured to think in a certain way or get pressured into picking sides or in this case pressured into into buying a product or or getting scammed on property it's yep. wild but it, but it really works it really works the fifth thing you want to look out for to avoid scams is if the pictures don't add up or they don't offer a video tour hmm. so just going back to the whole contract thing is you're putting a clause for the tenants you have currently that you could give them a 24 heads up and schedule a a walkthrough of the property that happened in my uh, t uh with my landlord before in venice when i was at work so there shouldn't be a reason for you not to get a video tour especially if he first said that he's a uh, local or nearby the property because he manages and takes great care of it mm. so if that doesn't happen or the photos kind of seem off or what, what's not being showcased start 
raising that red flag and investigating more, investigating more into the property. And getting this video call, that's a gold standard. Realize that before there was cell phones, before there was cameras, the way you would buy a property or see if you want to rent a property is you would physically go there. Just to make sure everything adds up because back before cameras and all this technology, people just talked over the phone, like a regular phone, and you couldn't verify that how the property looked just through the phone. So before you sign any kind of agreement back in the day, you had to drive over the property, physically check it out with your eyes, inspect it, look at it, and then sign it. So don't shy away from asking people about, about getting a video call or some more pictures or anything just to prove that that property actually exists and that they actually own it. Because that, that's a golden standard. It's like when you buy a, buy a house, you just go online, look at the pictures, and then purchase the house. You get a video tour. You go there, drive there, actually, actually see it. Same thing goes with short-term or long-term leasing. Just because you're leasing it doesn't mean you don't have the right to check out where you're, where you're going to stay before you commit to it. Yes. I feel, I feel like people are scared to ask that. Like if it's not presented to you, people are, excuse me, are almost asked to ask for more than what's listed. And it's completely okay. What's the they're going to say is no, and you, then you kind of already know that it might be a scam. So it's in your best judgment to always ask for a video call. Even asking the right questions. If you ask very specific questions about like smoke alarms or something like that, if, and if they're not like sure about it, but in the listing it says that, you can start throwing this person off and start kind of deciphering his like, dialect during the conversation if he's getting nervous why are you getting nervous about your own property mm -hmm. listing that you don't know the answer mm -hmm. to so you already could kind of tell that his intention is off in that sense because uh he he's like unsure about a question that you ask or something simple where you're trying to find a three-bedroom place and all you gotta do is ask like oh is it two bedrooms or how much and if they get stumped by that question that shows that they probably didn't, don't know the property because it's probably not theirs or if you ask them about the price and they give you a different number than what was listed that could be another sign of a scam too because they don't actually remember what they copied and pasted or, or what, what they faked because they're probably scamming a bunch of people on different properties and they don't have time to memorize this. So ask them simple questions and keep asking questions and you, you catch them slipping and then you know that that's a scam. But you just got to be careful because people are going to try and take advantage of you in any, any way, shape, or form. But that pressure one's probably the biggest one because that scarcity really, really gets people to, to buy things. Like look at you know the stock market, look at NFTs, look at crypto, cryptocurrency and all that stuff. It's all scarcity. It's all based on scarcity. The U.S. dollar is based on scarcity. It's, everything's everything is based on scarcity. Art, all that kind of stuff. So that just shows you how almost programmed you are by 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 realizing that something is scarce. We want to we want to own it because no, not like people could own it. I want to be the one that owns it. Especially for our audience that's maybe travel nurses or looking to travel nurse because that's a big thing that's happening now is. We have scarcity already built up, which is not on our side. You sign a contract within two weeks because that's been like the standard average in the industry. And you have two weeks to find a property. You have a bunch of onboarding stuff happening, coming from your agency, drug tests to take, physical, all the stuff that we're doing now. And you get overwhelmed and you really are in your emotional state. Mm -hmm. So think about how much easier it is for scammers uh, talking to people in our industry that are, that are traveling. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important to make sure you get all your ducks in a row for this yeah it's a good point number six is wire transferring money so i haven't wired transfer money in years and years and years and it's the 21st century not a lot of things require a wire transfer you have things like venmo you have things like zelle that you could you could complain to and possibly get refunded but once you wire transfer someone someone money it's almost like sending cash to just a random bank account you could say because you're not going to kind of do any kind of research if this bank account's legit or if this numbers is, is legit. You don't have time to do that kind of research, nor do we even know where to do that kind of research. 
So Zelle and Venmo and platforms like that, why they're beneficial is because they kind of take some of that risk away. That if you mess something up, they're in charge of that because they're also the bank and also the person making that transaction. So they could take that money out of that person's account and refund it back to you. But these wire transferring things, they can't. Once you wire transfer it, that, that, that's basically it. So if somebody asks you for a wire transfer, always ask, hey, can I Venmo you instead? Or can I send you Zelle? Or can I pay you the security deposit when I get there? Or something like that. The, pay them when you get there, they're probably always going to decline just because they want to have some kind of money just in case. For example, usually people require a security deposit like maybe a few days in advance. Just the fact that it shows you that you want this property and you're ready to, to commit instead of just keep looking around and the last minute you kind of screw them over by saying, hey, I don't want this place anymore. I found a cheaper one. So it kind of locks you in place where everyone is accountable of the verbal agreement that, that they've made. So just be aware of the wire transfer because I have, I'm not sure when, when was the last time you wire transfer money, but last time I wire transfer money is probably sometime in like probably nursing school, like five, six years ago. Yeah, something very silly. I was I probably, I think it was for a, um, like a ticket, either a speeding ticket or some kind of a ticket where I had to wire transfer money to the government for something. Yeah, and if you feel like you're being pressured also that you have to pay the, pay the full payment right away, that's a sign too. Maybe you could kind of get agreement going where you just pay the security deposit and you will pay rent or half of the rent when you get there, just so maybe you're minimizing damage there. Yeah, because if the property is fake, you're going to lose that no matter what, but it's better losing 1000 for the security deposit compared to the 3000 that you would have initially transferred over that was for a security deposit and like first month's rent or whatever. So the less money you transfer, the less money you lose. And if it's a worst case scenario, a, a scammer. I had another great point that I wanted to bring up and I just can't remember. Sorry, I remember. But, but as a tip, mm-hmm. even for people that are looking for property, since we're on the topic of property, don't ever be afraid to give an offer that's a little bit lower than mm-hmm. the listing price. Because you can get get away with it. Just like anything about sales, sometimes people like to list their price up higher because they know there's people like that out there that's going to negotiate. Mm. So it might be 4200 but they're willing to take 4K and that $200 is cushion that, hey, this guy didn't budge or didn't ask for anything less. So go ahead and try to shoot shot like, hey, usually as a traveler, you say like, listen, I have to look at my stipends to see if this works out but if it doesn't what is like your lowest offer and then sometimes they'll just lowball themselves for you instead of you shooting the offer so take a look at those techniques and see if you could get away with any um any additional savings and if you're a healthcare professional and a healthcare a traveler i we always say that um if you sign a short-term lease we always say like three months with potential to to renew because that kind of already makes them thinking that hey Instead of three months, I might be able to get this for six months without having to find a new tenant. So always throw that in because they might give you that that deal. Even though you kind of know you're not going to extend it for the other three months, you're just there for that first three months, it's always good to throw in there because they might drop it by like 200 bucks, like Matt said, or 300 or 100. And you might you know get a little bit of a deal because if you save 200 bucks a month, that's $600 through your contract. That's like groceries for like a couple weeks that you just save right there. So always, always ask, always ask for less, and always try to get the most out of the situation. I agree with you, man. Great content for anybody that's into housing, property, travel, nursing—you name it. Jam-packed episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. And of course, if you find value in this episode, you learned something today. Please go ahead and share with people that could learn as well. 
And as always, this motivates us to keep on producing high-quality content because we see it in the downloads. Thank you so much. See you guys. Have a blessed week. Thank you.